At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday and Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily and I am your host. And if you are new here, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to today's episode. A little bit about this show in general, I typically focus on topics revolving around self-improvement, mindset, career, um, and of course, relationships, and just kind of essentially the lifestyle I have built around those core topics. Before we dive into today's guest, I do want to share about my career ebook because I certainly haven't shared about it in the last few episodes, and I know so many of you have been still utilizing this ebook book or still purchasing it, um, especially with whatever phase you are in at this time for your job or internship search. But I just wanted to share about it again. It is available on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog. I have to say thank you guys so much for those who have been supporting me in that and also giving me really good feedback in how you've been able to apply it into your own life, whether that was using the custom resume templates, the cover letters, the interview preparation and I guess even some of you guys have also told me it really helped you reconsider or think through deeply about the career path you want to go down because I think so many of us have been kind of taught in a way to think of our career a little bit as black and white when we're in college and how it is related to our major and whatnot and of course some of us have not been told that as much, but I know in my experience I have. And so I'm glad that this uh, journey and personal experience on my mindset about how I've approached my career has been able to help some of you as well. So again, it's available, um, more details on the blog. It's in the shop section at emilyelizabeth.blog. So today's special guest is Sydney Webb. We have a very long and lengthy conversation, but it was totally worth it because she really had an incredible story and journey to share. A little bit about her background, though. She graduated from USC in 2017. And she initially started working at Thrive Market when she graduated, or I believe she might have had a few other things um, out of school prior to that uh, job experience. But um, she did quit her job there and later on 
uh, founded her company, Made by Foods. And the backstory to how she created this company was actually when she was 20 years old and she was in the process of transferring to USC. And at the time, she was diagnosed with colon cancer. And obviously, that is such a huge mental and physical obstacle to overcome, which she clearly did, but in her own unique way and findings through the healing class of superfoods called adaptogens. And um, she definitely elaborates more on her journey in discovering this and how she applied it to her own um, experience with colon cancer and eventually became completely cancer-free, which is totally amazing. But that was ultimately the foundation of what led her to starting Made by Foods. So um, it's a really, really awesome story. I personally was very moved by it and also inspired in so many different aspects of my own life from my morning routines, from you know the way I eat and the way I treat my body and just all the things that she elaborated on her uh, experience with, you know, just going through the flow of being in your early 20s while also just trying to figure it out like many of us are right now. So I know wherever you guys are in life, honestly, I think this episode, you'll have a takeaway one way or another. But I am going to stop rambling on for this intro and let's just get into the conversation. Okay, Sydney, thank you so much for hopping on today to have a conversation with me on the podcast. How have you been doing? I am good. I think, you know, right now with all that's going on in the world, I am healthy and I am safe. And for that, I am very grateful. Oh, I love that. It's it's always important to be mindful of those things, especially during this time. <laughs> oh, oh, 100%. Well, how about we share with the audience a little bit about yourself and give them just a background on who you are? Yeah. So my name is Sydney, Sydney Webb. Um, I am newly 25 years old. Um, I grew up in a city called Torrance, California cute little suburb in what we like to call the South Bay. But according to people that live in the San Francisco area, that's also called the South Bay. Hate to break it to them, but the original South Bay is Torrance. (laughs) Um, I I grew up um, an athlete. um, And if you would have asked me any time in high school what I was going to be when I grew up, I would have told you I was going to become a professional soccer player. And um, that was really my life path until I got sick in high school. Um, One day I was fine. The next day I felt like I had the flu. And for the next year, um, I basically was in and out of doctor's offices, hospitals, every specialist in Los Angeles trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Um, I basically had no appetite. I felt faint all the time. I was getting these really strange abdominal cramps. Um, was tested for everything under the sun, multiple procedures. And after a year of testing, um, and not like I said, you know, in and out every once in a while, this was like different doctor almost every day, I was diagnosed with severe Crohn's disease. At that point, I had lost about 50 pounds. I could not play soccer, let alone, you know, I couldn't, I could hardly walk to class. So 
my soccer career was over. I, at the time, had a full ride to play at USC, which was my dream school. So it was absolutely heartbreaking. And essentially, starting from that point on, I kind of rediscovered myself and fell into, um, well, as life will have it, exactly where I was supposed to be. Um, I ended up at a junior college and I transferred still to USC. Ended up during that transition, discovering the power of holistic health after meeting one of the most well-renowned holistic doctors specifically for Crohn's disease, just by chance at a Starbucks. Um, We struck up a conversation. I found out what he did. He shared his story with me. And that was really my first introduction to holistic healing in general um, from meeting this gentleman. His name is Dane Johnson. If you're curious, definitely check him out. He also is based here in the Santa Monica area. Um, He just really inspired me by what he had done to heal himself holistically with Crohn's instead of go down the medicine route, like the traditional Western medicine route, Mm -hmm. which is what I had been on. Um, And after meeting him, discovering holistic healing, I was able to get off all the medication that I was on, um, which was 20 kinds at one time, different steroids, different things to treat symptom A, different things to treat symptom B, Um, I was off all medication in a month. So ended up getting in the best shape of my life, transferred to USC, and first semester there, I arrived um, to find that it seemed my Crohn's symptoms were coming back, which can happen with high stress, long periods of high stress. And I went to the doctor and found out that I had colon cancer, which at that point I was 20. It was definitely a surprise. I can't say you're probably ever ready to hear something like that, but something inside me knew from my previous experience of doctors telling me, you know, this is your life now. You have Crohn's disease, for example, and now you're never going to play soccer again. You'll never be active again. You'll be on medication your whole life, all of which I... I ended up being able to do. I got off on medication. I didn't play soccer, but I got in the best shape of my life. And I felt the best I had in years. So I knew that while doctors are incredible and incredibly smart, that they didn't necessarily, they did they don't know everything. Nobody does. And mm-hmm. I was definitely mm-hmm. going to do whatever I could um, to be the, you know, the biggest advocate for my own health and uh, try alternative healing methods. So that same week, I, by fate again, ended up meeting a woman at a wellness convention who had, she was a keynote speaker, and she spoke on the topic of her story of healing her colon cancer with something known as adaptogens, which I had never heard of at the time. Essentially, they're a class of superfoods that heal stress in the body. Um, And I was fascinated met this woman, shadowed her a bit, and decided I needed some adaptogens in my life too. I went home that night, Mm -hmm. ordered about 10 different kinds in a powder form um, off Amazon, decided I was going to start mixing them into everything I ate and drank between that night and uh, the day I was supposed to get chemo and radiation, which was three months later. I did exactly that. I mixed it into everything I ate and drank. I was on a plant-based diet at the time, and I still am. 
And I showed up to that appointment three months later to get my first round of chemo and radiation. And they went to check to see how much the cancer had spread in my body. And I was completely cancer free. Wow. So I, through this whole process, I didn't just take this woman's word for it. I'm like, okay, she says it cures cancer or it's healed her. Great. I'm down with it. Here we go. I mean, I did my own research throughout the process. I knew immediately after, you know, spending a couple hours looking them up, something considered an adaptogen by definition has to be non-toxic, meaning you can't overdose on it or, you know, the worst case scenario side effect is bloating from any of them. So worst case scenario, I was going to feel bloated, but it was worth it if you ask me. <laughs> so I, um, I started researching everything I could. I found so much research from different highly acclaimed research centers, different universities around the United States and around the world on adaptogens, healing, and being used to treat all types of ailments, not just cancer. I mean, it was things from dementia to Alzheimer's, heart disease, liver disease, lung disease, um, depression, anxiety, uh, libido, like you name it, there's an adaptogen for it. And I was just shocked that if this was before I was even healed, I was just really curious as to being someone I considered to be, you know, all that and, and a box of chocolates when it came to nutrition. I, I loved it and I loved to think of myself as a super healthy person. But if I didn't know anything about it, chances were a lot of other people had never heard of them either. Um, so after my experience healing, I was so excited about adaptogens. I just, I wanted to spread them to the world, um, starting with my family. And <laughs> while they loved me and they're super excited for my new hobby, they it's it's one thing for someone to be excited about something you're doing and then another for them to also partake in said activity. So um, I knew my parents weren't going to start taking adaptogens because quite frankly, they don't taste very great. And it's just one more thing for them to have to do. So I had the idea that I was going to start hiding adaptogens in their food um, to get them to take them anyways. But adaptogens like I said, do have a strong taste. So I figured that might be tough, which is when the idea came to me that if I were to do it again and I were to take adaptogens, what would be a way to convince myself to take them? And I immediately thought, well, what if I could make them taste really great? Being a sweet tooth person and going through something like cancer or chronic illness, whatever, sugar is one of the worst things for you as it is with, you know, in life in general, sugar is not great, but I, I really had to avoid that. And it was something that was really hard for me. So, um, I was, I mean, I have zero culinary background, but I just had the idea that if maybe it were possible to make something that was good for you also tasted delicious and had these adaptogens in them. And put that all into one thing. And that was kind of where Made By was born. Wow, your story. Oh my goodness. First off, I, I am really speechless because I think that you are truly the definition of strength. Um, I, I can't imagine 
you know, what would have been going through my head if I, you know, similar to you, I was on track to, you know, kind of compete for Team USA in competitive figure skating. Wow. And obviously did not have, uh, you know, that kind of major obstacle like you. Um, I did have a back injury, but again, nothing uh, similar to yours. And I'm sure, you know, especially in your case, having had already a full ride to USC for soccer and obviously a very, you know, a renowned school for athletics and academics, I'm sure that must have been very heartbreaking. And then, of course, to hear, um, you know, how, how many years apart was it that when you found out you had colon cancer? So I was, I originally experienced symptoms of Crohn's at 15, but like I said, it took a year to diagnose me. So technically, I was diagnosed with Crohn's at 16 and colon cancer at 20, neither of which run in my family at all. I mean, really, my family, bless them all, are extremely healthy and have no health problems. Um, so I was kind of the, the odd one out. Right. Wow. So so I'm sure that that was just such a major effect on your life. But I also love that you still went on to pursue transferring to USC. And was how was your transition there then? I Obviously, knowing that you, I guess I'm, I'm assuming your vision at USC was probably different when you were in high school and had that opportunity to play soccer and you were probably envisioning how you know, your college experience would be like, but then uh, instead you kind of transitioned and, and had a different experience. So what was that whole experience like for you? The great question. Um, yeah, totally. A hundred percent. And, you know, until you asked it, I guess I never really thought about it that way, but it, it really was completely different when I was in high school. Um, like I said, I grew up playing soccer. It was really my whole life for my whole life. And I, I absolutely loved the team environment. I loved um, playing with really incredible players. And I loved being what I would consider myself to be, you know, like, <laughs> to put it nicely, like, I liked not being the best on the team or not thinking of myself being the best on the team because I loved learning from other people and being able to play with people who I really admired. Um, and I, there were girls exactly like that on the team I knew that I would be playing on. Um, and like I said, USC was just a dream school of mine since like the sixth grade. It was like the first school mm -hmm. I went to and I was like, I have to come here. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely pictured my life still being soccer at USC. Um, when I was told I wasn't going to play soccer again and, you know, this, that, the other, Obviously, it was devastating, but I knew I still wanted to stay in the realm of sports, which is why I still wanted to pursue going to USC because I knew that they had an amazing um, sports journalism program. So my plan was to go to USC and become like the next Aaron Andrews and be on ESPN talking about sports <laughs> so I could still be in the world of sports, even if I wasn't playing. Um, and... That's what I did. I transferred there as um, I was junior when I arrived. So I did my first two years at a junior college. And when I got there, I did start in the sports journalism program. Um, I also joined a sorority to, you know, make friends and feel more at home, especially being a little bit older. I wasn't going to have a freshman, sophomore year to get to know people in the same way. Um, so all of that was, it was very different. I mean, at the time that I was diagnosed with colon cancer, I was living in my sorority house, which 
whether someone's oh, been wow. in a sorority before or fraternity or even if you've just seen it in movies on TV, my experience was a lot like movies on TV in the sense that <laughs> it's, it wasn't exactly a calm place to be. There was about 200 girls that lived in this home um, and I shared a room with two other girls and it was probably the least calm environment to call home. <laughs> Um, it was, it was great being surrounded by all these girls, but especially going through what I was going through, it definitely added an element of, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, I just don't quite fit here. Um, and I felt that going into USC before any of this had unfolded because I was older. Um, and I think, you know, I, I've never been a huge party person. I love to go out, love to meet people. I just like, I mostly from health reasons, my body just doesn't feel mm -hmm. great when, you know, like I drink a lot and stuff. So I just, I've kind of always been the more responsible one. But when I got to USC and I went through the rush program to join sorority, I just realized how much older I felt than all of these girls that were fresh out of high school. So I felt different already. Um, but then once I was there, and then once I found out I had colon cancer, I was like, oh my goodness. I definitely felt like a bit of um, a bit of like a lone wolf mm -hmm. in a way, even though I was surrounded by all these people. I was just having such a different personal experience. Um, and it's been really interesting and really special now to see things come full circle and you know, girls in my sorority buy, made mm -hmm. by, and love it. And some of them never even knew that. I what I was going through when I was going through right. it because it wasn't something I spoke about at the time um but it's I, it was such a, a learning experience in so many ways yeah I'm curious what what sorority were you in I was in Delta Gamma oh no way I was also a Delta Gamma as well at Chapman oh, oh I love it that was actually <laughs> one of my top choices for schools too Oh, no way. Oh, my gosh. I also have a great journalism program. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And so after you graduated, did you initially go into any sports journalism um, type of jobs? Or what did you initially do right after? So during my first semester at USC, I was in the sports journalism program. Um, I joined uh, this separate entity. It was part of USC, but it was like an extracurricular not a class, but basically if you wanted to practice in sports journalism, you could join or audition for um, the school channel, so to speak. It was called Trojan Vision, and they had various shows on Trojan Vision. So they had like a morning talk show, they had a sports talk show, a comedy segment. Um, so it was kind of like a combination of like the arts, the school dramatic arts, and like the school journalism. Um, so I did a semester with Trojan Vision, both as a, uh, a morning talk show host on our morning talk show. And I also did part of the sports show. And I very, very quickly realized, um, wow, I do not like this at all. <laughs> like, God, this is not what I want to do with my life. Um, and I'm so glad I'm figuring it out now because I'm, you know, at least I have time to change my major. Um, so I still stayed in the School of Journalism, but I ended up graduating with um, a degree in digital media or digital marketing. 
So my thought was that I was going to essentially work for some sort of agency um, made by, by the time I did graduate, was something that was already in the works. But um, it was, I, I was always like a big dreamer, always have been. And I was definitely in my mind, I was like, this is what I'm going to do when I graduate. But um, it, it kind of happened that way. I ended up working for a company called Thrive Market. Um, mm. Yes, I worked for them. I did marketing for them for, oh gosh, about six months or so, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, and then I quit and then I went full in on Made By. Um, but I was working on Made By my senior year of college. Um, that's when I started, well, my junior and my junior year and senior year, I was recipe testing for what became made by, like I said, mm -hmm. I have zero culinary experience. I really had no idea whatsoever what I was doing. Um, and I, I, would, I was at the time, my senior year, living back at home and just driving to school because I was only there a couple days a week. And I would wake up at the crack of dawn, like four or five in the morning, make as many things, concoctions as I possibly could oh, wow. before I would go to class. Um, sometimes I would have time to bake it. Sometimes I wouldn't. Um, I, I mean, it's so funny now to look back on pictures and look back on recipes I wrote down thinking that those things would taste good, but I, I didn't know anything. Now, I've, if I feel like if I, I can kind of throw anything together the first try because I know um, at least our ingredients so well, but I, for about a year and a half, almost two years, made the most disgusting things you've probably ever tried in your life, and I made my poor family and friends taste them because <laughs> I would have tasting parties on the weekend and try, you know, super excitingly, be like, oh, try this one, try this, try this, and people tried to choke some of them down the other ones they just didn't even bother um and i was really starting to lose faith in this whole plan to make it happen um i remember the first time i ever made the recipe successfully i wasn't even at my house um, i was house sitting for my best friend who also mm -hmm. lived in the south bay and she didn't have the traditional ingredients that i was using at the time um, so I just started to kind of get creative because I was craving something sweet and I was, I really just <laughs> used what we had. And, um, once it became something slightly edible, I was like, wait a minute, what if I added this or change that? Maybe it'll make it even better. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, it really was truly, I mean, I probably tested thousands of DIY recipes before made by became made by. Wow. Okay. So I'm definitely curious because I think a lot of people, if they were in your shoes and knew they had zero culinary experience and, you know, basically starting from scratch, how did you get over that mental obstacle of being like, okay, I have 
no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to keep trying and trying. What was your thought process in that? And then you also woke up at 4 or 5 a.m. during your senior year of college. Like, you know, what was going on in your head? And it's funny because I relate to you a lot in that aspect, obviously in different areas of what I do. But I'm, you know, very curious. I think this is something so many people always want to hear. Like, how did you figure it out, basically? Totally. And you know, it's funny. I still wake up now at like 4 or 5 in the morning. I kind of have like gotten into that routine. I'm trying, I try to go to bed by like 10, but it doesn't quite always happen. <laughs> it just feels good in the morning. Maybe it's just something I've been used to for so long now, but it just feels good to get going early. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the recipes and I guess getting over um, the, maybe the insecurity of like not knowing what I'm doing, um, I kind of like what I touched on earlier with like, playing with really talented players with soccer. I've always believed in a beginner's mindset because in my experience, the second that you believe that you know something extremely well, that's normally when you find out you're either wrong or maybe something's changed. Um, I think it's like, you know, perfect examples are seeing all of these newer age startups or companies doing really incredible things. And, you know, there's kind of like those older companies that haven't really innovated in a while and they still exist, but like there's different people outworking them because they're always looking to grow and improve. So that's one part of it. Um, And two, I guess also drawing back to soccer, like I didn't ever, I wasn't born playing at a level that I would have been recruited to play at USC at. So I was, you know, I've always been a beginner at everything as everybody has. And I think it's easy to look to people that are the professional level or are the absolute best in what they do and say, wow, like I could never get there, but they started one day also not knowing how to do anything, whether it's kick a soccer ball or bake a cookie. Um, And for me, with Made By, I felt extremely selfish every time I questioned doing this and following through with this because I'll tell you right now, baking's great and all, but it's not my passion. Mm -hmm. My passion is helping people, healing people, and spreading the knowledge to people that not only are there other options for their health, but like that's what people truly deserve. And a lot of the time people just don't know the difference and they don't have the education and they don't have the resources. Making the cookie dough is not an easy thing, but it's a labor of love. And when it's done and all you have to do is eat it and enjoy, then that's worth it. So I knew that if I stopped trying to make the cookie dough, if it had all these, you know, if it had all this potential to maybe educate even one person or to help heal one person or to be, a sweet treat for one person that was going through something difficult. Like that's what it's for. And it was never about me mm-hmm. and it still is never about me. Cause if it was, I, well, I would have thrown in the towel so long ago. Um, so I, I really still to this day and, and every day, especially on the days that it gets hard, which there are many of them. <laughs> um, I just, I remember that, there is a bigger purpose. And I think the reason why people quit so soon or quit so easily is because 
either their why isn't strong enough, their purpose for doing what they're doing isn't strong enough, um, or maybe they just don't, they didn't, never really had one in the first place, or they were doing it for the wrong reasons, like because your parents wanted you to. Um, and I think you find that out with yourself pretty quickly when you know you're facing problems or difficulties or challenges you realize like why am i doing this and if you can answer that for yourself um and say okay like because it serves this in my life and this is what i want to do and like the legend i want to leave then i think that's then there's your answer but if it's anything else besides you wanting to do it because it fulfills some part of you, then then that's when, you know, maybe maybe that's not exactly what you're supposed to do. And that's perfectly okay because now you can make room for what is. Right. I couldn't agree more with that either because I think, you know, a big part of this podcast in the theme is kind of about figuring out that key aspect of life that fulfills you right that's kind of you know the podcasting yes (laughs) I mean clearly I can tell as you mentioned what you find fulfillment in life is obviously impacting other lives and helping people you know heal and and find that within your products at made by um kind of definitely going back to your like morning routine though because I'm I'm super curious you you mentioned you still wake, wake up four to five AM to this day, and you did it back then. What was the driving factor for that? Because I do also wake up pretty early as well, not as early, but maybe six or six thirty AM. But you know, what what was the motivating factor for you to not only do that during college, right, senior year of school, waking up and then you know doing that in the morning, and then going to class and then whatnot, um, and then obviously still doing that to this day. What's your mentality around that? Um. It, well, definitely when I was still in school, um, I just wanted to be able to get the most out of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still the same now, but it, it I guess my mentality now has shifted a little bit. Um, then, you know, I had other obligations like going to class. Um, so I knew that if I was still going to continue, um, then it was going to have to be really early because usually when I got home, I was too tired and <laughs> it was already a frustrating process because I knew what I was going to make probably was going to be bad anyway. Um, but I, I had more like gusto in the morning and I was like kind of maybe more ready to fail if that's, <laughs> that's a better way of putting it. Um, I had like, you know, an entire day, entire 24 hours between the last time I had failed and then again. Um, but I think too, one thing that I thought about, um, was that there are a gazillion excuses for, you know, not doing this and it's so much easier to not do it. There's still even some components of made by that. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, maybe I have to do this paperwork, like, but it is really nice outside. So I could go on a walk, <laughs> like it, those things will always come up. But I knew again, um, that if I put it off, I was, I could just feel it within myself that I, I, I would be angry with myself because I, I wanted to get it going as quickly as I could. And I knew that was probably still some time away considering I didn't even have a working product, let alone anything else to make it happen. Um, so I, I was excited about getting up every morning because I knew at least I was trying and getting somewhere. I knew, 
another way that things didn't work. Um, and now getting up in the morning, my, my routine has changed over the years. When I worked at Thrive Market, I also worked pretty early. So I'd have to get up pretty much at the same time I do now. Um, and to get any work done for me, I kind of had to happen early because, again, I was tired when I got home from work. Um, and now I, I quit at Thrive. Um, oh, gosh. It would have been December 2019. So however long ago that was. Okay, so that's kind of recent, like, maybe seven months ago? Yeah, something like okay. that. Um, I, since then... I've still continued to get up early. Um, my boyfriend is also an entrepreneur in the food space, um, and we live together. His name is Steve O'Dell. He's the founder of a matcha company called Tenzo Tea, um, and we we've established the morning routine where we get up and meditate for about twenty minutes. Um, I drink tea. He drinks matcha in the morning. We read for about an hour. Um, I kind of like journal and stuff. And I found for me that even though now I'm not waking up at the crack of dawn and baking every morning um, with all of the things and, and stress that comes with running a company, um, for me, the most important thing to this day is still staying rooted in my purpose and the bigger picture of things. Um, because I've realized over this time that it can be very easy to get swept up in the day-to-day of things. So having some time in the morning to like really establish like what it's all about and what's important, maybe read something that inspires you, really helps me feel grounded throughout the rest of the day. Wow. I really like that morning routine too, in, in what you're saying, how you set your, your day up with reading for a little bit, meditating, journaling. I think those are great activities. Um, is that something you have felt really has always contributed to your success in Made By and just kind of your overall day-to-day trajectory? Yeah. I So I read a book a few years ago called The Secret. It's You may have heard of it. It's pretty widely known. It's what I would call a woo-woo book. Um, it's, it's about spirituality and the law of attraction, essentially. And there was nothing in that book that I can say I didn't know, but just reading it and kind of like having those affirmations for myself in the morning um, of how amazing this universe really is and how powerful we really are. It just kind of really set me up for a great day every day. So that was like the first book that really changed my morning. And this was years ago. Um, And since then, I just I've noticed that reading something that inspires me every morning, sometimes it's part of a biography, sometimes it's a woohoo book, sometimes it's a book on management and growing companies. Um, whatever I guess I feel called to in the morning, it, it really has made a huge difference. Um, and I try to not be too disciplined on the morning routine in the sense of like, you know, I don't time myself how long I read and I don't time the meditations exactly. Like we kind of will put on some sort of like mellow music or whatever and kind of just let it play through and kind of same thing with reading. I read until I feel like I've I feel inspired and I'm ready to go. And um, then I get going. 
And what time do you usually start your day then after kind of you, um, you know, setting up your day, getting into your morning routine? At what time do you typically start to get into the business work and really get into doing stuff from Made By? I'd say any time between maybe like 7 and 8.30. Of course, if like I have something in the morning that I have to do earlier, um, then, you know, make arrangements. But the... Gratefully, most of my meetings and stuff happen later in the day. So I kind of have some flexibility in the morning um, to just kind of, you know, take things as I will. But yeah, probably about 7, 8.30, anywhere in that range. Okay. Wow. So yeah, you definitely are a early starter. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't always that way, but it it definitely, I mean, the big difference is like going to bed early, which when I tried to stay up late and wake up early, that was not... Do not recommend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way too typical, not healthy. Yeah. So let's dive into your business then, Made By. Um, I'm definitely curious, first off, what was kind of the aha moment, I guess, in when you quit Thrive Market and what made you really make that final decision in saying, okay, I am you know, financially and emotionally stable enough to leave this job and pursue Made By full-time? So... When when I was at USC, I so much has changed with everything with me by with my perception of business and what a business looks like. One, um, two, I guess like what it means to be ready to start a business, and like three, maybe what types of people start a business. Kind of like going back to having experience or whatnot. Um, when I was at USC, I was kind of working together with um, a friend of a friend who was helping me do design work. Um, my best friend was also a graphic designer, so she kind of also was helping me put together an idea for what the brand could look like. And then I was working with my friend who was working in sales, and then another friend who was a um, who was majoring in like environmental science. And he was going to help us make sure that like all of our packaging and stuff was eco-friendly and, you know, we were impacting them in a positive way, all that jazz. So it was essentially like five of us and um, we, we would meet on the weekends. I would bring <laughs> my disgusting thing for them to try and they would, you know, kind of s- swallow them kind of nicely and say like, oh, I think we should take this more, (laughs) but right idea. Um, And we met for about a year. And then when I graduated, it became clear to me, and it wasn't immediate, it was kind of over time, but while they're all incredible people and all incredibly talented, I knew, especially since I was also starting a full-time job, I knew that things were going to change one way or another. Um, And I didn't know what exactly that meant. But when I graduated, we all kind of were living farther away from each other. And we informally decided like, when the time is right, we'll come back together. But the time was never really right. So then I was kind of just working on things on my own in the little free time I had when I first started at Thrive. And when I did first start there, Thrive was pretty much my, had my full attention. It wasn't like I jumped into Thrive and was also trying to do Made By. It definitely took a couple months for me to like try and get my bearings a little bit. But um, I, I mean, being around all of these 
healthy products. And I was also helping with, you know, um, their private label stuff, helping to make like Thrive Market branded stuff. So I was learning about how you even do that. Um, I, all I could think was we had a big, um, you know, like corporate kitchen with all these different snacks and stuff. And all I could think every time I walked in there was like, made by should be in here. Like, this is just silly. So I, my roommate at the time was also working with me at Thrive. Um, I actually recruited her from Michigan. I didn't know this girl, but our HR manager was like, oh, we have this great girl in Michigan. I think you guys would get along. And I, I called her because he requested so. And I was like, yeah, you're going to love it. Come on down. And she did. She moved to California, became my roommate. And then she also became like um, the first person that helped me ship out our first order on our website. Um, but she would, I mean, we had a lot of similar interests. She was also super healthy, vegan, loved the idea of made by, by this time I did have like the recipes done. Um, I did not know that our cookie dough was shelf stable, which it is. I just essentially was thinking we would sell baked cookies and that would be the way we went. Um, so I kind of was just growing a little bit uneasy or like tired restless of not having made by in our kitchen and I was just so frustrated um and we had our Christmas party um at Thrive and I brought the cookies and the like the office was just wowed they were like oh my god these are amazing and I of course told many people like oh yeah it's my company made by all the meanwhile like I have nothing I have no website I still don't have really Whoa. a brand I have a logo uh and I I really I think it's definitely been one of the my biggest assets in this whole process is I've always believed and felt that made by is something so huge even when it's been nearly non-existent so the way that I've talked about it and explained it to people and um you know represented it is that as if it's you know a global brand already in the sense of um just its importance and what it can do for people and why wouldn't it be a global brand people are gonna love it um, so I, when I quit, I almost laughed when you said, you know, how did I decide I was financially <laughs> stable and stuff? Because I could have not been more stupid in that regard in the sense of I literally, I was one day I was, I decided to stay home from work because I was trying to make this decision. Like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to have to quit. Cause I, I really got to go all in on this now. Cause if not mm -hmm. now, then when am I going to do it? Now I have a much different opinion on that or like outlook in the sense of I, when people ask me like, oh, what do you recommend? Like whatever makes the most sense for you. If you feel like jumping into your side project that you want to be your full-time project is going to make that thing too stressful and not fun anymore, which mm -hmm. it can often do, then don't do that because you want the fun thing that you're passionate about to remain the fun thing that you're passionate about so you can grow that genuinely instead of having to grow that out of stress, which can be a lot harder. But that was not the route I took. I basically, uh, I quit right before Christmas. Um, and I, I said, you know, like, it's been great, but I, I, like, I have to do this now. Um, 
most of the company was super supportive. Other people, maybe not so much, but I was like, oh, this is what I got to do. So I quit and um, I actually, uh, by quitting, it convinced my roommate to quit with me and we both quit. And um, she decided, she's like, I'm going to help you do this. And I was like, okay, amazing. And she was like, okay, when are we going to launch this? And I was like, in a month, it was like literally in a month from that day. So it would have been, we ended up launching our website January 21st of 2019. So sorry, I would have I quit oh, in December okay. 2018. Okay, okay. The years are <laughs> So I launched it January 2019. So just to right, about right. a year okay. and a half. Makes more sense. <laughs> um, that, yes. <laughs> um, so I... I had no idea how to build a website. I had no idea how to do anything. Again, I didn't even know how we were going to sell the product. Um, but about a week before we were supposed to launch, I still hadn't done anything really besides, you know, I had all the backbones to a website and I had a lot of different links to where we were going to buy our packaging and stuff. Um, but I was freaking out because rent was coming due and I had like really no money let alone money to go buy out, you know, go and buy all these supplies for this company. I had no idea if people were going to buy it from or not. So um, I started thinking and I was like, how, how am I going to do this? I can't let myself down. I can't let Dana, my roommate down. And um, a light bulb came on that we were going, I was going to find a way to build a website, was going to do that part. But as far as financing this whole project, I was going to launch a pre-sale. So when the website launched on January 21st, it launched for a pre-sale for about 10 days. And with that pre-sale money, Shopify, um, when people make a purchase, normally you get the funds from that purchase within a couple days after they purchase. So I knew if we had about 10 days of pre-orders, we would get the money, you know, a couple days after the first order came in and we could start to order the things we needed to actually send off these orders. And um, by the grace of the universe, it actually worked perfectly. Um, we got a bunch of pre-orders. I ended up, you know, I had all the links lined up to, uh, to purchase all the things we needed to. And um, we bought all the shipping boxes. We, like I said, at the time, we're baking these cookies and we got these um, like gold foil pieces that we wrapped around each cookie. I don't know what I was thinking, like something along the lines of like a Ferrero uh -huh. Rocher chocolate, you know, that you have got to like, it. it's wrapped in gold all pretty. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, this will be like a luxurious experience. But um, the first round of orders went out fine. The second round of orders we ordered gold foils from a different company and all of the gold foils fell off the cookies. So people opened their boxes oh. to a bunch of broken cookies. So that was, again, these, there's so many things like that that have happened. And now it's, you, you find, you have to laugh about it because it's just uh -huh. like, of course this happened. <laughs> Great. Um, but yeah, we, we did that first round of pre-orders and everything went super well. We were baking out of our apartment. I was originally living in Culver City when this started, and it, we were, like, baking around the clock. Like, we had a baking wow. schedule in our kitchen. Basically, we were in our pajamas all day because we didn't have time to really change or get ready. Um, we were baking cookies and shipping off orders. Um, and then 
right around that same time, that's when I met my boyfriend. Um, and we just started talking about how they work with cafes and stuff. And I was like, why, well, why isn't me buying cafes? So that's when um, I started to approach cafes and different stores um, and started pitching them made by two. I'm curious. So obviously it's been now a little bit over a year since you were baking in that apartment with your roommate. So I'm sure, so now you have an actual like facility, right? And, and I'm assuming you also have employees that do this as well. Yes. Um, so we moved into the facility actually pretty recently. Um, we had been in and out of a couple, but the one that we're currently in, we've been in since May and the one we were in another one prior to that, that was, um, just honestly too far away for us. It was hard to get to, but yeah, we moved into our current kitchen in April. Um, when I hired our first employees, um, two amazing women named Carly and Casey. Um, they're both also part-time nurses. So shout out to them. They are gratefully not on the front lines with COVID, which is why their timing worked out so perfectly to, to join mm -hmm. Made By, but they're both extremely passionate about health. They're also plant-based, not that I personally care, but they're just super gung-ho about like the plant-based movement. Um, and they, they get it with the cookie dough and they care about it up the product, the brand, um, growing, being able to get to the right people, heal people, do all the things um, just as much as I do, which is so important to me, especially being a young brand, having mm -hmm. people that are just as much of an advocate for it as you are is so huge. And I don't know if I would have known that and, until being in the situation that we're in now. Um, but it's been incredible. I mean, I definitely wouldn't have been able to continue this without help. Um, mm -hmm. I probably needed help a lot sooner than I ended up getting help. But um, I think one thing that I, I didn't expect to be as hard as it was is just moving from being a single woman company to mm -hmm. figuring out how to hire people, especially with something that is not extremely easy to produce and also like no one else has ever done it before besides me so it's like a, a level of trust that you just have to be willing to give over um right. so i think that that really plagues me for a while and i wish i could go back and tell myself like it's okay this is what happens when when you grow and everyone does go through this um right. i think it would have made things a lot easier and smoother um, on myself a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And in regards to your expansion in getting into cafes or stores in general, what was the process like for you? Like, how did you figure out how to pitch yourself? How did you figure out how to get past a no? What were some of the things going through your head during the process? And I'm curious if there's any similarities, um, you know, for us as well. I mean, for me, for my figure skating dress business, I remember the days when I was I think I was a junior in college and pitching to stores and, and whatnot. So I'm curious to hear your experience. Yeah, I I mean, the biggest piece of advice I would give to anyone trying to sell anything, even if it's just yourself for a, a job position or even on a date, um, you the biggest asset for me, biggest strong point has been 
you don't know what you don't know. And I've heard, I don't know if you know who Sarah Blakely is. She's the founder of Spanx. I love her. I resonate with her so much. So you've probably (laughs) heard her story about when she went into Neiman Marcus and essentially (laughs) sold them, you know, their her product on the spot. And then people asked her like, wait a minute, how did you get Neiman Marcus? You like, I've sent them emails for the last seven years. And she'd be like, I called them. And that's the exact, I mean, I heard her story long after I had, you know, approached things the way that I had and the way I think I always have, but it's the element of you do things the way that you do things. You don't need to do it the right way. You just need to do it your way. And often your way, when it's coming from a place of you is going to be so much more original and unique and it's going to stand out a lot more than whatever the norm is because I'm sure that anywhere regardless of what you're selling again even if it's a person or selling yourself for a position the person on the other side has definitely had so much of the norm I mean at a certain Mm -hmm. point they get so used to just tuning it out like especially if it's an email um, but I will say there's a certain craft to that, and I don't pat myself on the back too much, but I am very good at getting people to respond to emails. Um, I think <laughs> the biggest thing is really connecting with people on a personal level and um, offering like how you're going to help them or it's it is definitely a fine science, but I think the the personal level is what. Um, has really made a key. Um, But yeah, with pitching cafes, I didn't know anything, which is the best possible thing, best possible position I could have been in. And I would literally, still to this day, I mean, not anytime recently with the coronavirus, but I, um, I would just go cafe to cafe to cafe to cafe and walk in and say, hi, is the manager here, the owner? If they weren't there, then I would talk to, you know, whoever I did meet as if they were the manager, tell them pretty much the exact same thing and then ask for the manager's card. Um, and what I would say is like, hi, my name is Sydney. I am the founder of a vegan superfood cookie dough company called Made By. Um, I would talk about my story and explain, you know, the background of Made By. Um, and I would say I would love to drop off some cookies for you guys to try. I've never, I don't think ever once had someone say no, like, no, we don't want your cookies. So I think also offering, like, just kind of putting something out there, like, let me just do this for you. Um, People seemed really excited about that. And when they asked for my card, just, I don't know if this is a common sense thing for me or most people or what, but I would say, you know what, I'm ac- I actually just ran out of cards. I was like, do you have one? Or, you know, does manager have one? I'll send them a quick email. I will tell you to this day, I've never owned, purchased, bought, printed a single business card. And it's been so great because mm-hmm. essentially if you give one away from what I've seen happen to many people, people forget about it or they lose it. And it's totally understandable. I know I've lost many business cards, even ones that I've wanted to keep. Um, and they just kind of fall to the wayside. But if you have the other person's point of contact, you can get in touch with them one way or another. Um, and when I would leave the cafes, I would, you know, get far enough away to where they couldn't see me anymore. And then I would 
write down in a note on my phone as many possible details about the meeting as possible, what the name of the person was who I met, the name of the manager was, what I said, blah, blah, blah. So that if the manager wasn't there and I was gonna email them and say, hi, Emily, I met your amazing barista, Mark, and told him this, that, the other, whatever. Right. So like there was some sort of like validity to it and they, familiarity, mm-hmm. even though they hadn't met me before. Um, and I would say that's one element to it. And two, I, I was just very, excuse my French, but like ballsy. I just, I went into big stores and big coffee shops from day one. Um, in March of last year, we started in all of the intelligentsia locations in California. Mm, nice. Which again, was also just, it all started with me walking into the location and asking to meet a manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you? Wow. Yeah, it's it's so funny. The more you share your story, the more I see how like-minded we are. So I'm loving this. <laughs> but I did the exact same thing. You know, um, I, I designed custom figure skating dresses with my background in competitive figure skating for 12 years. And um, I essentially kind of took it to a the wholesale and kind of partnered with retail partners. And that was essentially how I did it as well. I brought, I emailed a owner of a pro shop at an ice rink that's very well known in California. It's actually where Anaheim Ducks um, train. Oh, wow. And yeah. And I remember she didn't respond to, I think, five of my emails. And mm-hmm. I finally one day was like, okay, I'm just going to go to the rink and bring five dresses with me. So if I catch her in person, I can show her on the spot, like what my dresses look like, what they feel like. And it was a Saturday funny enough, I was supposed to go to like a spring frat party. I think it was like the week before finals. This is junior year. And at that point, that semester, I didn't go to any party yet. And I was like, okay, a week before finals, I'll finally go to something. And then I didn't because I instead wanted to get into the store so bad. So that was kind of, um, I brought it to her. She was in love with the dresses. The quality of it was something she was like wowed about. And from there, that led to um, me getting into four other stores of hers because she ended up buying out some of the other shops um, down in Irvine where Anaheim Ducks now trains. So they have like multiple facilities wow. basically, but I love that for so much. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I uh-huh. also worked in uh, the ice skating world for a little bit too. Um, I was on the LA Kings ice crew for a season. Oh, no way. Yes. <laughs> right before USC. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure you know what appreciate. I appreciate a good uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm all, you know, on the same page with you about how it's really important to, you know, just be ballsy and go in and not take no for an answer and really just show them how it's valuable to them. Right. It's like kind of like a what's for you type thing for them in a so, um, I, yeah, I, I love that you share that because I think so many people ask me as well, how do you get in stores? And it's really as much as like, like you said, not really knowing from the start, but then just simply asking, like, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I, I definitely want to bring up as well. I know you mentioned earlier, um, before our call that you, uh, are now in the process with Whole Foods. So what has that process been? Because that's a huge accomplishment and I'm sure you're 
so stoked because it's Whole Foods. <laughs> so tell a little bit about the experience so far. Yeah. Um, so we were originally in touch in March and you know what, till this day, I still don't know exactly how the rep who found me slash made by found me or made by, um, I asked her, but like, that was just one email that I kind of, I think just went, went through like without her response. Cause she's responded to a whole bunch of others, but I'm like, ah, it'll be a mystery for now. It's fine. Um, at least this is happening. But this, this amazing woman named Monica, um, emailed me in March. I, I honestly thought it was like, it had to be fake or something because, um, she, she said that she had seen our product and it looked really interesting. And, um, she hadn't tried it yet, but she wanted to, and she was curious if we were interested in getting into Whole Foods. And I just like, <laughs> I looked at her, you know, her email signature, it looks legitimate, had the Whole Foods logo. And I was like, who would ever say no to wanting to be in Whole Foods? It's like, of course. <laughs> so I got her address and I sent her some products and um, she really loved it. And um, we, we sent a few emails back and forth. But again, this was in March before things kind of got really bad. And then I just like, it was kind of like radio silence. I hadn't heard from her. Um, I've, we've had so much going on with Air One and online. So I kind of kind of forgot about it. Not completely, but it wasn't like, you know, the top of my mind every day. And then uh, about a week and a half ago, since again, first time being in contact since March, she asked me to send over like a couple random bits of our product information, um, like our, our UPC code, which is, you know, like the barcode. And I was like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I sent it over. And the next day I woke up to an email um, from her that said in the heading, um, onboarding for new products, like made by Whole Foods. And I was like, no way. So I opened the email and sure enough, um, it was about 50 exciting pages of paperwork um, and submitted those last week. And now we're in the process of all of the crazy logistical things that I've never done before, like figuring out how much a pallet of cookie dough is and how much it weighs and you know the temperatures to store at, store it at, where it's going to be in the store. Um, mm -hmm. we're thinking we might move it to the refrigerated section, even though it's shelf stable, just to like increase the shelf life more. So, um, you have to plan promos and demos in the store to get people to try it and stuff, which I'm so excited about. I've been a brand ambassador for so many companies. So it'll be that demoed at Whole Foods. So it'll be really really special to be in I'm sure I'll be in at least some of the same locations demoing that I've demoed in before for other companies and now we'll get to be there for me bye isn't it incredible just to kind of just kind of reflecting on how full circle it went from you having your experience as a brand ambassador for another company and then now you're doing it for your own company <laughs> It's, it's so nuts. I, I still have a, a sweatshirt jacket for one of the companies that I worked for called T-Riot, which I love, and they're still in Whole Foods killing it. But I wear it all the time because it's super comfortable. But every time I put it on, I just think like, soon enough, this will be a made-by jacket in oh, Whole Foods. Oh my um, and it's, it's definitely surreal. I mean, I, when I told my family, they... 
I think that's for some of them, some of them have got it from the beginning and they've been so excited from the beginning, but I think some of my other family members have like still considered it a hobby, but I think um, with telling them about Whole Foods, I think they've finally started to take it a little bit more seriously. Like, oh, okay, I guess, Mm -hmm. I guess maybe this is something. Um, So it's been really, 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 really cool. I'm, I'm really excited to see where, um, where things go from here and expand to all the other Whole Foods regions and just be, be as accessible as possible for people all, um, all over the world. Yeah. I have a question. Did your parents or anyone in your family, um, I guess kind of feel opposed to you quitting at Thrive Market? Um, if they would have known. Oh, so, so you did it on your own without uh, I, telling them. I, I did tell them, just not immediately. Right. Um, I told them when I thought I wasn't going to be able to pay rent. And they were like, uh, well, what happened to that job you had? <laughs> um, but <laughs> so that was a fun conversation. But um, they, my, my dad has always been like, he's like a free spirit kind of guy. Um, and my, my parents have always been extremely supportive of everything I've done. But I think with Made By, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to go about starting a company, but I know nothing about fundraising. I had no idea where to even start. And I knew that trying to do that was also going to take away time from actually starting the company. And also like saying, as I had never had a company before, how I just didn't think I was going to be the most responsible with money because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So um, I did it the hardest possible way. And we still haven't um, raised any money. We've just grown based on um, our sales. So we just put back into the company what mm-hmm. we've made to continue to grow and hire people and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, my, my parents were definitely uh, worried. I wouldn't say that they were opposed, but they definitely, my mom more so, um, was always kind of like asking when I was going to get a real job type of a thing. So okay. um, it was kind of like they accepted that I was doing that, but they were more curious to like, you know, well, what else are you going to do then? And how did you, I guess, mentally get over that objection? Like, did that kind of make you ever second guess yourself or second guess quitting or anything like that? Or did you feel like you were able to block out that external noise of, you know, the people that were kind of worried about how this would go? Yeah, I think it, I don't know what it is. There's definitely times that I have feel doubt, but it's normally when I, it's like, I do it to myself. I get inside my own head too much, mm-hmm. but there's never been anything anyone has said, even my parents that have ever made me question what I'm doing. I, I understand that not everybody gets it. And I know what, like what I'm trying to do and I know the purpose of it and I know the importance of it. And sometimes other people, oftentimes other people don't get it until it's done. Like I think back to like, if you think of any incredibly, maybe not any, but a lot of the successful innovative tech companies out of Silicon Valley, like Uber or Airbnb or things of that nature, 
if you were to explain that idea, just the concept of what it is to someone before it was Airbnb and Uber, you would sound like a freaking maniac. Mm -hmm. Like, but it's like, oh yeah, you're gonna, I'm gonna pay this stranger to take me home. Like, or I'm gonna allow these strangers to stay in my house. No, I've never met them before, but it's okay. Like, people would be like, what are you thinking? No, but that's, that's kind of the mentality I've always had. Like, but now that it is Airbnb and it is Uber, um, or it is made by it's, it's becoming something that people are like, Oh, okay. Now, now I'm starting to get it. But I think when you have something that means so much to you and you have a vision for it, like you definitely shouldn't question it because you just have to know that you're, you're the visionary and, it's okay if everybody else doesn't see it because if they had the idea, then maybe they'd be doing it. But now you have the opportunity. <laughs> I like that. Where do you envision Made By in the next three to five years? Um, well, I definitely, like the goal is to one, one day be like a global brand sooner rather than later. Um, but I, my goal for Made By is to really have it serving the people that need it most. Um, so I want made by to be in hospitals, like instead of serving, for example, Cedar Sinai, incredible hospital, they serve Otis Spunkmeyer cookies to patients that's in their, in their cafeteria. Um, they're just such a disconnect between nutrition and food. So, um, I just want to replace that everywhere in hospitals, schools, universities, airports, whatever. Um, also, I, I really, really want, um, my goal for Made by One Day is to become a physical space. Um, the pillars of Made by are really rooted in mind, body, and soul healing, like full, full spectrum healing. So I envision a space that, um, encompasses all of those things that serves our products, but also encompasses the, um, like healing of the mind and healing of the soul, kind of something like, if a we work we're also like a wellness haven so to speak kind of a co-working space kind of a really amazing healthy cafe and also um kind of like i don't know if you've heard of unplug but it's like a meditation mm -hmm. space in, in los angeles something along those lines what about on a personal level where do you see yourself in three to five years um i I think that for me, I really want to be highly involved with philanthropy, whether it be through Made By or on my own, I haven't quite decided yet. I know that there'll be an element of Made By that is philanthropic, but I really want to hone in on like how to donate in the most like effective way. Like in my lifetime, I want to, um, like I want to be able to speak. I want to be able to give a TED talk in the next three to five years, just on my story and the powerful healing, plant healing, all the above. Um, and I also want to get in, not that I love politics, but I want to be able to change the policies with food and just different uh, regulations, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, with like what's allowed in food, uh, the amount of nutrition courses doctors have to take to become a doctor, things along those lines. Wow, that's amazing. After being graduated for three years now, what's your biggest advice for anyone struggling to figure out what they want to do in college? 
Um, you know, I would say that for me with college, my experience doesn't quite translate to what I'm doing now, but I would say truly just try to enjoy yourself and like hone in on what matters most to you, whether that's through your classes that you're taking or not. Um, it's really easy to get pulled in so many different directions. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck and then they end up in a position that they also don't really love. So don't be afraid to change your major if you have to, or if you stay on that path, don't think that your major then dictates what you have to do, unless you're becoming a doctor or an engineer, you got to kind of be in that major. Um, but I think trust your gut. It, you do know what you're supposed to do, even if you don't think that you do. I think most of the time our problem is it's not not knowing, it's not listening to the knowing. What ultimately fulfills you in life? Oh gosh. Um, I think it's truly serving people. I think that the power of people is so underrated or undervalued. I, I love knowing that I, I've made a difference in someone's life in any way, but I think, um, yeah, the power, the power of healing and the power of healing people. I think that if we kind of open ourselves up to the possibilities that we have just day to day with strangers, we'd be really amazed at like how the world really comes to life. Thank you so much for sharing your story today and sharing more about how you got started with Made By and how it's growing. I'm, I'm honestly such a huge fan of your story just because I relate a lot on a personal level, but just your path to the way you got to where you are today. I think it's incredible. And honestly, like I said before, I really think the audience will resonate and be really receptive to your story. So thanks again for hopping on to share. Where can everyone find you on social media and for both the brand and you personally? Yes. So um, the best way to find us is uh instagram we are at made by foods m-a-d-e-b-y-f as in frank o-o-d-s and our website is madebyfoods.com amazing and i will link all of that in the show notes as well i'm so stoked to get my delivery in the mail so i can try it out this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> amazing thank you so much emily thank you America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.